Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today is January 30th. You are listening and watching the Daily AI Show Live. And today we're going to be talking about what we know, what we think we know, hints, rumors, allegations, and things left unsaid about GPT 5. So today we got almost the whole crew. We got Junmi, Beth, Carl, Andy, and I'm Brian. And uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of go through what we know so far. And here's the deal. It hasn't been released. If for anybody listening to this and maybe doesn't follow all this AI stuff, you're like, GPT-5, I thought we were on four. We are. Um, here's another thing we don't know. We don't know when GPT-5 will be released. It may not even be released this year. It could be next year or beyond. Um, however, what do we know? Well, what we're here to talk about is what Sam Altman has been actively going out there. Sam Altman being the uh, CEO of OpenAI. Um, and he's been talking about it. He talked to Bill Gates about it. He talked, he was in Davos. He was in a couple of other places where he's openly talked about what he feels like GPT-5 will accomplish. And so we can go to kind of infer from there and, and uh, sort of have a cool conversation about what that means to us. And also he dropped some hints about how Sam did about how businesses should be thinking going forward. And maybe we start at the end. One of the places, one of the things he talked about is, hey, businesses should be focusing more on an AGI mindset. He was almost basically telling people, I think it was at Davos, Beth, you saw that too, correct me if I'm wrong, where he was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't limit your thinking to what GPT-4 could do. I would be thinking past that. So like we were talking yesterday, <coughs> you don't end up painting yourself into a corner. So what do you guys think? What, what is the best, uh, you know, the best, I don't know, rumors or things that you heard Sam say about GPT-5 that you're, you're the most excited about? <laughs> Jimmy and Beth breathe at the same time. <laughs> I, um, I think that what excites me the most is, um, is the multimodality is that it is potentially going to be able to engage in video and audio and not in terms like right now you can speak to GPT, uh, chat GPT, and it transcribes it into text and it goes and mm -hmm. it deals with it as a, as a text and then it responds and then it trans, uh, transforms that into voice because it was trained as a text only system and the, mm -hmm. and the audio has been put on top of it. Um, GPT-5, my understanding is that it's been trained multimodality. So mm -hmm. that is an exciting thing for me. Like what are you as a native audio speaker or a native video uh, uh, intaker, communicator? I don't know. That's so specifically you'll, you'll be able to uh, upload a video. It'll mm -hmm. watch and listen to the video and understand everything about the images and the audio on that video and respond to that directly without you having to do any transcription or importantly, right. it, 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 you can upload an image today to GPT-4, mm -hmm. uh, but you can't upload a video. Uh, that will be an impressive addition in GPT-5. Right. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, uh, you know, like, hey, uh, I don't know that it'll be called FaceTime, but I'm going to FaceTime with my GPT assistant and we're going to have this conversation and it's going to say, all right, you hesitated there. What's happening in your head? Right. Yeah, or, or, or something you, you, like that. You look, you look puzzled. Yeah. <laughs> right. right, 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 right. Well, just being able to interpret your uh, 
facial, uh, body language, all of those kinds of things, I think will be uh, a huge benefit. I'm most excited about the video interpretation, you know, having that part of the multimodal uh, capabilities. Um, I'd like to see where this expands into their other offerings like video dolly, you know, those those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Cause that's, that's once you have that base function then it can kind of expand into what their other offerings are. And cause they've interconnected their, all of their different products um, uh, up to this point. So I, I'm looking for that next step. And I think later on in the week, we have a review of runway ML. And so just the right. video and AI sphere is, is kind of what I'm most excited about. So there let's was break, one but real quick though, Jimmy, before you go on, let's break that out a little bit because we right. said video probably to, on twice in both of those. And I think it's maybe worth referencing that, you're, we're really talking about two different types of video processing and for two different end uses, right? We mentioned something like a runway ML or a, um, oh, there's so many of them. I'll, I won't pixel and all the other ones that are out there, <laughs> whatever all the other ones are uh, that do, like you said, image. And, and instead of creating a static image in Dolly, they're, they're consumably or reasonably would be that we would have it creating five second, 10 second, 30 second video clips. Whereas right. now you can say, go ahead and extend that 30 seconds more. And it's still a prediction system and it's still guessing at what that next scene might look like or extrapolating so on and so forth. And then, but Beth, you also talked about video, but I think that's more from like the multimodal side where instead of it just being text in, text out, it can be voice in, voice out. And Andy, you mentioned something that I think is really important. I just want to make sure we touch on in case we leave video here for a second is I think about the, all the ways that it could help in sales. So um, I work for sales consulting company. So I deal with sales all the time. It's always on my brain trying to help sales representatives. I'm literally doing that right before this show. I'll be doing it right after this show. It's what I'm working on today. And I think about how amazing it's going to be when it's not just a transcript that we can get from a discovery call summary or a um, a, uh, a demo call in sales. But now we're able to hear the vocal tones and inflections. And to me, that's not just like a one plus one equals two. That's just like one plus one equals 17 or something like that. Because it, now it enables this uh, potentially this model to go in and say, oh, I I can read the transcript and I can see and I can infer where the call might have gone off off tracks. You know, the sales rep was so thinking about the next thing they wanted to say that they missed some really key piece. Okay, I can already solve for that problem today with a transcript. But there's a big difference between that and then also looking at a video or or even listening to the audio of that call and listening for how voices start to trail off. If it's video, maybe it'll be how eyes start to dart around. These things start to already exist, but it'd be really cool if they happen in a true multimodal fashion. I don't know that GPT-5 will be this powerful, of course, but these are things that I'm definitely looking forward to. So I just wanted to mm -hmm. maybe throw that out there because like, I think there's like there two different things, right? Two different sides right. of video, if you will. And I okay, want to sorry, clarify, no, I you know, we were imagining what it would be like to do a FaceTime with, with mm. the AI. GPT-5 won't have that real-time interaction yet, right? If that's for GPT-6 or 7. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. That's probably not in the next release. That seems like a big jump from where we are today. Maybe, yeah. but who knows? But I think there's a very big jump that's going to happen that I want to get to, and that surrounds mm -hmm. this question of, you know, is Sam Altman teasing, you know, over over-promising by suggesting AGI? Uh, and, mm. and, you know, that's a big question. 
But so, so in, in response to that, I, I, I want to say that it is reputed that GPT-5 will use uh, a, a technique called graph uh, neural networks. Graph neural networks are different from a, just a standard deep neural network in that there is a representation of different modules in the graph and what their interrelationship is. We've talked about a mixture of experts model and we believe that GPT-4 is a mixture of experts model uh, and it has a way to basically understand when you prompt it, which of the models ought to be the one that responds to that. A graph neural network not only has smaller subnetworks that are experts in different areas, but it, it has attention mechanisms that can direct the conversation internally, its own internal monologue and say, okay, I know about this, this subject over here, so I'm going to engage with that component of the graph. And oh, that graph, that part of this near, deep neural network is connected to this other one over here. So I'm going to weave together my response based on those elements of this graph. The graph actually captures mm -hmm. relationships among different areas of knowledge within the representation. And so there's a there's also a, 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 a concurrent notion of what's called representational learning. Uh, and, and that's an AI technology that is really advanced. Uh, by the way, those are the things, those graph neural networks are the ones that can understand protein interactions like mm -hmm. and do that. It's not just brute force analysis. It's, it's actually looking at which protein interactions are, you know, are clustered in these areas. And those elements of the graph are the ones that it pursues efficiently to go after it. So these are all capabilities that are human-like. Like we, we say, okay, well, I know something about this over here in my memory, and I'm going to try to bring that memory forward. And in, in, that's a, a kind of an unconscious process to, mm -hmm. some, to me anyway. You know how when you, you know, can't remember a name and then suddenly a few minutes later it pops into your head. Well, mm -hmm. that's the unconscious process of exploring the graph that's in your brain to figure out where you have knowledge of that sort of thing that you can't go access directly. You can't get it directly. Well, that's that's a sort of the way I'm thinking about what it means to approach AGI. And it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be delivered in large part, I think, because of the implementation of graph neural networks and, and advanced attention mechanisms in GPT-5. Remember that GPT-5 is the, is the result of an enormous investment. You know, hmm. OpenAI, when it was delivering uh, GPT-3 was incredible, but now it's expanded in its reach and its, and its capacity and its investment. Uh, and AI is accelerating that process. So I think we're really gonna touch on the beginnings of AGI, and that's what ex excites me the most. And then, yeah, do, this is a quick follow-up question on that, Andy. Do these graph neural networks, you're, you're talking about, I'm assuming they exist. Are they being used in any small use cases at this point? And like, oh, yeah. if so, they like, are. is it like, healthcare? Like, where are they using it? Here's a great, a simple example of it. Uh, an AI that uh, analyzes social networks, the interrelationships among multiple you know, individual nodes, which are humans, mm -hmm. that, that could be used for determining the, you know, like doing uh, 
for defense purposes, trying to figure out, you know, who's related to who out there in the world of intel intelligence. We're trying to analyze what Hamas is doing over there. The, mm -hmm. A graph neural network is probably applied to those kinds of social network analysis. Got it. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That's really interesting. Well, I, I like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Carl. Oh, yeah. I think Andy related to that, where I think we'll see the biggest jump is reasoning of mm -hmm. in where GPT-5 is. And and more so when member Andre Karpathy talked about system one versus system two thinking, I think we're going to start getting into system two thinking where mm -hmm. we don't, you know, when we add the instructions, think through this step by step. It's not chain of it'll actually do it consistently and in a manner that is <clears throat> we don't have to have these more defined prompts i think it'll get what we're talking about much better mm -hmm. and so that one that's the one i'm looking forward to the most because then you can set up a lot of different elements and and maybe it'll help bridge that gap of more people understanding how to use these systems or give give them the path to use it more than a lot of people are using it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that was definitely on my list for sure. Reasonability. Is that what you were saying to say as well, Jimmy? I'll go after you. Go ahead. Well, I, I just wanted to to jump off the point for general intelligence is that um Sam Altman, especially in the in the Davos interview, he he mentioned that uh, that's still they doubled down on it like that is still their focus is still doing general intelligence. But one little thing that and they didn't really cover it too much, but he mentioned that the next step that uh, that they're kind of focusing on right now is less about training data. Right. Which kind of takes away the focus of like moving into GPT-5 or, or when they're going to start uh, moving towards that is they want to be able to display trusted, branded, high quality content at inference. And this kind of goes back to his point of um, talk like focusing on the product side of things. So when this uh, when we take this into account, I'm wondering in terms of when we're going to see GPT-5 and what we're going to see in it, that might be pushed down the road a little bit because they seem to, he, he seemed to indicate that he wants to improve what's going on right now and mm -hmm. what, and if, and if the focus is he wants high quality branded content at the time of inference, then that doesn't sound like GPT-5 is being trained, right? Or it doesn't sound like they're, they're spending as much time on that. I could be reading into it too much, but I, I, I picked that out of there in particular because it does seem to indicate what seems to be his focus, at least uh, for, for open AI. Not to I, mention can add, I can add something to that, which is okay. there's in psychology, there's a, an area of uh, exploration, which uh, is about human cognition. So we're trying to approach the human capabilities of, of reasoning and exploration. And the idea of how the, our brain works is it's not purely reliant on the internal uh, knowledge base that you already have learned, but it has the world and all of the tools and technologies that we have as, a, as an external memory. And so, so does now GPT-5 with its connections to web search and whatever permissions are allowing it to access proprietary data. 
So in the training sets, if you will, or, or in the access range that GPT-5 will have, it will have access to certain subscribed uh, external memory that it can access at inference time. And when we say inference time, we mean at the moment you give it a prompt and ask it a question, it's doing some processing, which will include, as you watch perplexity do, uh, it's going to go out and retrieve information that's relevant to your question. And, and that is a key component of this uh, approach to human capabilities, which is not simply to rely on what the existing knowledge base is back to 2023, right? Mm -hmm. right. But now right. to be able to go out and say, okay, to solve this problem, I'm going to send out an agent here from this module in my, in my graph neural network to, to explore this angle, which I think is relevant, and then assemble all those things back together and deliver the report. Uh, that's what we do really as researchers, as human mm -hmm. researchers, and, mm -hmm. and that's what uh, GPT-5 and others will be able to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that sort of takes in the idea of um, what you both are saying, which is one of the one of my notes here on my page here in front of me is um, personalization. Uh, it's something mm -hmm. Sam Altman must have said several times is we know our end users, our, our customers, want more personalization. And that started very basically last year with custom instructions. Um, kind of cool, the custom instructions were both available on the free and the the plus side of the account, the paid side of the account, which I always, I always, I'm very grateful for when I work with clients, because uh, so many of my clients don't have the, the plus side of it. And so that custom instructions was a great way to append onto any particular prompt a small 1500 character description of what maybe that customer does um, or that client did, right? So sales reps in my case, um, but that's only gonna grow. Now, custom GPTs was the next step of that because now I was not chained to 1500 characters. I can now create a quick custom GPT, albeit on the paid side. And now I could give it reams of, of pages of, of data about my, uh, my company. I can go somewhere and basically scrape a website um, let's just assume it's my website. Um, and I can take that <laughs> for legal purposes. We'll put that asterisk. There. It's mine. It's mine. Um, I can take that information and I can I can immediately throw that into the back end of a custom GPT, and it's that much smarter for it. So so personalization and being more more customizable, more about your data. Absolutely, I mean Sam's already saying it. It's not something we have to guess about. This is definitely right. coming with GPT-5, and perhaps we'll see that in small increments before then. Uh, we'll talk about it more in the news tomorrow, but the at symbol and what's that? what that's doing inside uh, custom GPTs is a form of almost like making it a more personalized experience. It's yet another step towards a agent. And mm -hmm. Sam said back on Dev Day that that is what we're working towards. And yeah. one big step towards agents is personalization. Look like you're going to say something, Andy. I, I am, but go on. I, I'm, he I'm has thinking face. He has thinking hands and thinking face. You can't see Andy has his thinking uh, face. <laughs> uh, like, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, not Smithers. Um, what's his face from The Simpsons? Excellent. Uh, <laughs> um, um, okay, well, if Andy, you're not ready for that, I want to come back really quick because I, I didn't get a chance with Carl. You talked about uh, reasonability, and I just want to say something that, like Sam said, which was that GPT-4 really has like a childlike understanding. In fact, you can see sort of the, when you look at, if you're looking at a screen, um, the thumbnail I created for it was a child with like 
well, three, and then maybe like a teenager as GPT-4 and then some AI robot, right? Juggling multiple balls in the air. That was sort of what it was for. But he's the one that said like GPT-4, I'm paraphrasing, is pretty dumb when it comes to, you know, uh, being reliable with its reasoning. He said something I'm paraphrasing to the fact that is if you give it, um, you get a thousand, 10,000 answers. One of them will be pretty good, but GPT-4 won't know why. <laughs> won't know why that was a good answer, but but you'll probably right. get something good at it. And so I just wanted to bring that back up to Carl, your point, because that was something Sam talked about that I thought was really interesting, was that they're trying to make GPT-5. The goal is to increase its uh, reasoning skills, but also do it at that are highly reliable. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was really just an interesting. So, okay, those are my two things there. Uh, what else? So, so, I, so the, this idea of in, improved reasoning, I think, is related to the graph neural network approach because if if the if the GNN as it's called the graph neural network understands what the components of its knowledge are and knows how to select those which it can use in in response to some query well then that's a form of reasoning okay what's relevant here uh, how do I combine those ideas? And and now I want to. What I was thinking about before is this other thing that we can do, which is a part of general intelligence in humans, which is continuous learning. So if I start to explore a subject, then I can encode in my memory new relationships and new understandings, and hold those representationally in my memory. So I have a, an ongoing memory that I can train as I'm studying, learning, and doing things. Now, the, the current generations of, of um, large language models don't do this self-training, if you will. But a graph neural network is designed in a way that it can encode new properties that it examines in the graph into a new representational node. So it's creating a new capability on the fly in response to its activities. I, you know, this is beyond my technical understanding, really, but the, but I can imagine it. And and right. so I, I'm i creating a new node in my own mind about how these things might work. You're making a connection. <laughs> uh, and, and so I wanted to share that with you is that I think that GPT-5 probably will be able to do self-directed continuous learning, which mm further accelerates the process of arriving at, at average general and that's general a cool level. idea i like this idea i don't know if this is what you're talking about but it was what made me just think of i frequently go back to previous chats because i'd already done a lot of work and i want to stay in that chat thread i'm like i don't want to re-explain what my goal here is with whatever i'm trying to do and so it's just it's saved in that chat thread and for the most part unless you've uploaded documents and stuff it's it's saved there but what you maybe just think of andy is like I do that. I leave it for a couple of days. I come back to work on it again. And it's like, hey, Brian, I've been thinking about this while you were gone. And I've come up with some better answers for you. Would you like me to give you a recap and summary of some better ideas how to, how to you know, tackle this problem um, before we before you continue on with the same thing? I mean, that's I don't know. I don't know. If that's possible, but I love that idea that in the background, it's actively trying to help me problem solve even when i turn my attention away from the yeah the that computer. that personalization that's the personalization model of that i was thinking uh, thank you for adding that nuance to it another the, another the idea that i was thinking about was just that 
in every single interaction, billions a day, it's mm. learning more and more. And if you come back mm. to it a few hours later, it's smarter than it was before. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Right. That's where it, you know, the, the combination of the capability of, you know, a, a brain that is made up of an almost an order of magnitude larger number of neurons than ours uh, is, is able to learn so rapidly that, you know, we just can't keep up. So this is, this is an interesting thing because if we separate the act of learning from the content of learning, right? So let's right now you say like, don't train on my data. I don't want you to train. I don't want you to use the conversation that we've had to train. Mm -hmm. And what that really means is I don't want you to use the data that we are engaging with. But if you have learned a new learning technique in engaging mm. with me, like, let's say um, uh, you're my personal trainer, right? And you are, uh, you are not sharing what you do with me with anyone else, but you have learned something in explaining how to do something. And it like five timed my ability to do something that is learning you can carry through to the next client. Now, yeah. what does that do in a large language model that can be doing that at like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of instances at the same time? You don't need to train on my data. You're just getting better because you're engaging with it. Mm. Well, even if we took it down just a little bit smaller than that real quick, and then we can jump on a, so this is just theoretical. Wild stuff, speculation. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, but let's, let's inject this into uh, GPT for teams. Okay. So like if, if some date in the future, uh, everybody at scaled at the company I work for, um, there's, there's like 20 plus of us that are full time. And then we have a whole lot of uh, 1099 bench people um, on the bench. Uh, so anyway, you take the 20 and let's just say some date in the future, we're all now actively using the, the tool ChatGPT for various things through the day. And it's learning and remembering different parts of that. I see that as a potential solution for breaking down silos that we don't intend to exist. It just happens. I start on a thought mm. process and I start working on something in a company. Some other, my coworker of which could be in London, Austin, New York, Texas, like they're, you know, they're all over the place, right? Because we're all, we're all uh, not in the same office. So we're not overhearing each other's conversations. But if that's coming up two or three, four times, and it's something about a maturity assessment or whatever, or whatever the case is, and now ChatGPT is able to come back to me and say, this has come up in conversation before. It's not that it's necessarily releasing the, you know, the back and forth yeah. or giving me what my coworker said, but maybe back to your point about the concept of it, of like raising flags and making sure that this gets up and it's, it's made aware before things start happening in silos. Like, oh, you have a coworker who's currently working on a similar project. Would you like me to invite them into this chat? Would you like... Right to facilitate something where this is happening together. That obviously, whether that happens inside ChatGPT or not, a part of GPT-5, I don't know. But that certainly seems like the kind of tools that are taking us towards personalization, but more business personalization, mm -hmm. and uh, giving us a tool that we can rely on uh, that's getting that's, smarter. That's a million dollar idea right there. Mm -hmm. There has to be somebody working on it. And that Hopefully. that's this idea of the GPT itself orchestrating it the collection of relevant sources like just as it's going to go out and find these data sources but now it can look at 
okay, who are the human experts who are working on this? I'm going to find them, bring them together, and I'm going to ask them questions. Yeah. And right. teach yeah. myself, right? Yeah. Your AI project manager, model. essentially. Do you, do you yeah. all remember Sam Altman saying, I can't remember where he said it, whether it was one of the talks was that the... <clears throat> I think like I was trying to forget. I was trying to remember. I, I I see the picture of his face on where it is, but he was saying that everybody should prepare for GPT five. Like they should be building towards GPT five right now, not right. Mm. not like right. how you're currently building. But the thing is, how do you how do you do that? How do you build for GPT five when no one knows what that even means? Like. Like how would you I think that? that's a, let's let's use that as a great discussion point as we wrap up because I think that's a great a great place to leave off this conversation, which is, is like okay, we talked all about all the things of uh, video, both from a multimodal mm -hmm. standpoint and also from like a runway ML standpoint. We talked about personalization. We talked about increased reasonability and reliability. Um, moving towards an AGI mindset. Moving towards what they have said is an agent mindset. So if you're a business right now, I think that's a great great call out, Carl. If you're a business right now and you're actively thinking about, okay, how do I not paint myself in a corner? What are some of the things you could do today? Even if you don't know the answer to what GPT-5 is, what are some things businesses could be doing today to help them be best prepared? And I would say this is not people who are actively coding and creating brand new like apps and stuff. I'm just saying for the general business who's trying to use these tools for efficiency. Well, uh, quickly, I'd say, well, something like uh, that Sam said in that that Davos interview is um, he suggested that you use um, AI or focus on AI use internally, improving your your processes eternal uh, internally as opposed to you know jumping trying to use Gen AI in through your products and things like that. And I think that's a that was a good insight to to let everybody know it's like that's where you're going to see the biggest improvements these are things that we talked about in in the past there's nothing nothing new that we're saying here but hmm. uh i think that's a great way that you can um get ready uh if that's essentially the qu question how do you get your business ready for gpt5 yeah. right is uh and we've, we've talked about uh, AI literacy. We've talked about making sure your data is clean. All of, these, all of these steps are ways that you can prepare your business for GPT-5. Because uh, one of the other things he mentioned was um, they asked him, what is the one thing that uh, he wants everybody to know or focus on? And that's getting infrastructure. He sees a huge influx and increase of usage, right? Mm -hmm. That's integration uh, on every single level. So he's talking about the, the shovels and the pickaxes. He's talking about the chips and infrastructure to build to meet all of those needs. So we're just going to see an exponential need on the hardware side to uh, to advance on the software side. So I, I think that's what it really comes down to is is getting your internal systems improved by AI so that when five launches or when the next thing launches or, you know, whether it follows some new Moore's law where it, you know, doubles every few months or whatnot, that's, uh, that's the kind of focus that, that you need for, for AI. Right. Now are you talking about so Moore's law or McKinsey Moore's 
More. One has an S. Two O's and an S and the other, yeah. Um, so, uh, so I actually think that to a certain extent, what you're doing to prepare your business for five is what you're doing to prepare your business for four. Because if we look at five as being better, faster, bigger, and we look at the conversations that we've all had and shared like, oh yeah, this is a thing that it does and just watch people's minds be blown. The thing that will make you best positioned to take advantage is if you can get through the blowing mind stuff now, right? Mm -hmm. Like engage with it, talk to it, ask it to do crazy things. Maybe it doesn't do it. Maybe you have to rephrase it, but get through that part so that when five comes out, you're really like excellent. Uh, this is going to blow my mind, but it's not like, holy crap, uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, we're just in a different part of Kansas. It's a better part of Kansas. <laughs> well, all I would add to that is uh, what you kind of said, Jimmy, and what you're saying, Beth. Well, Beth, to your answer, uh, yeah, like after the show, go put on Kanye West Stronger and just gem out to that and go create new things. <laughs> like, better, faster, stronger. Let's go. Uh, Jimmy, I, you know, you you talked about, you mentioned about infrastructure. Just, I just want to mention, Sam Altman did talk about how he felt like the global push for AGI and the desire and demand for that is may what push us into things like actually getting um, fusion uh, energy and stuff like that. So right. really, really cool. And I like the idea, the analogy of like, if uh, one of these moon landers uh, identified diamonds on the moon, you bet your butt we'd figure out you know how to get the moon faster, mine it, you know, like we, we'd figure it out as a society because it would be something that we want. There's some some value out of it. So I like that idea of, of what he said about like, hey, this is something that the world is probably going to want and want more of, which could put the money where it needs to be for to get over the hump of some of these things like uh you know, new energy sources and things like that. So really cool. Any other last thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah, I, I would just add that uh, the, the incredible advances that we are imagining that GPT-5 can provide also invoke the waiting equation. Like one of the things you can prepare for is start learning about where the trajectory is going with AI. It takes, it takes either, you know, really practiced consultants or, you know, a lot of personal research to understand where it's likely going. And it may be that you want to intersect that trajectory at some point down the line, understand where that is. It might not be, hey, we've got to jump on it right now. It could be that, oh, we need to put this on in our OKRs for the third and fourth quarter of 2024. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Tomorrow we got the news. Thursday we're talking about developments in cancer treatment and research and how AI is making a huge impact there. Friday, as Jimmy mentioned, we will be doing our review of uh, Runway ML, a uh, very very cool um, software and, and app and how you know technology. So we'll be talking about that as well. And then we got a whole lot of stuff coming up next week. Uh, that's it. We'll see you tomorrow, the uh, last day of the month. Until then, guys. Bye. Happy Aloha. Tuesday.